Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Come on! Hey, sheep, sheep, keep moving. No, no, goats, get over. Ugh, hate being a shepherd. Come on, we got to get to the water hole. Come on, sheep, stop doing that. Goats, get over here. Ugh, man, I had so many great ideas. and <sighs> He stood there looking at all these stupid sheep and goats. Goats are dumber than bricks. They don't listen to you. And he's trying to herd them all, and he finally gets them around the water hole, and he, he stops, and he looks out, and he sees sand over there, and he sees grass over there, and holds his shepherd's staff in one hand, and he thinks to himself, I am 80 years old. 80 is old, isn't it? 80 is older than old. And he's stroking his long gray beard and, you know, brushing his eyebrow hairs because old people always have those long eyebrow hairs, you know, that stick out and the fuzz in his ears. And he's like, I did not mean to be here at 80 years old and I'm looking after sheep and I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in a place called Midian. And I'm with the Midianites this is not the way it was supposed to be. And he, he sat down. And he thought, you know, when I came to Midian, I said, God, I'll follow you. Or as he called him, Yahweh, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he led me to Midian. And here I am, 40 years later, at the age of 80. Where are you, God? should have been all different. You ever wondered about that? You know, sometimes, where is God? You know, I don't know what struggles you're going through, but you prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and you're like, where is God? And here, we meet a guy named Moses, who at the age of 80 did not plan to be herding sheep and goats on the backside of the desert, in the middle of nowhere. That was not his plan, but here he is at the age of 80, and where is God? Well, we're going to find out this week. God is with you. And if you know him as your Savior, if you, don't, if you think God's left you, I want to encourage you. He's there. He's with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's made your promises that no matter what, he will fulfill. And as... As Moses sits there, I think he thought back. If you turn to Exodus chapter 1, you'll see the story of Moses. 
And I'm sure he thought back and he thought all the way back to understand Exodus chapter 1 and the story of Moses. You got to go all the way back to a guy who had a coat of many colors. Does anybody remember? Joseph. Well, Joseph solved the Pharaoh's dream. And the Pharaoh said, I love you, Joseph. Bring all your family. Joseph prospered in Egypt. And he said, I want you to take all of your people, 70, 70 adults, and I'm going to give you the best land called Goshen. Goshen was the supreme, prime real estate, great land. You can have all your flocks there, he said to Joseph, because you've done so much for us. Because remember, seven years of prosperity, then they gave seven years of famine, and if Joseph had not come through for the Pharaoh, they would have all starved. But Joseph, given all the glory to Yahweh, said, this is what we should do, and the Egyptians loved Joseph. He saved their country. And then we come to Exodus chapter 1. It's the second book in the Bible. 350 years later, the Jews in Egypt, it said they prospered. They came in with 70. And by the time the book of Exodus opens, of the men, there are 605,000 Jewish men. They started with 70 and they were reproduced like rabbits. They have 605,000. But you know what? It's because God blessed them, and God blessed them, and God blessed them, and God blessed them. For 350 years, God blessed them. But then, if you notice there in Exodus chapter 1, it says, we got a problem. There arose a pharaoh who didn't know a Joseph. See, what happened was the Egyptian pharaoh who loved Joseph, he got taken out by the Hiskos Empire, whole bunch of vengeful shepherd herders, I guess, who came in. They weren't Egyptian, but he wiped out the nobility, and they took over, and they didn't know who the Jews were, and they didn't know what Joseph had done for them. Instead, they looked at how many Jews were living now in Egypt, 605,000, and they looked at all the Egyptian people compared to all these Jewish people, and you know what it says there in chapter 1? It says the king got nervous. He was like, you know what? If these Jewish people, if they say, fooey with the Egyptians, let's make an alliance with the Canaanites, or let's make an alliance with the Perizzites, or the Hittites, or some other ite, let's make an alliance with them, the king's nervous. He's like, they could overrun us. They could overrun us. So you know what we got to do? Pharaoh's pacing back and forth, you know, in his palace. He's got, Egypt was like the New York City of the day or the Portland. It was the trendy place to be and it was the hot. He didn't want these Jewish people taking up all this prime real estate on top of it. And they were sheep herders and goat herders. And that was not cool back then. And so he's like, what can we do? And then he said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to oppress them. I'm going to make them make bricks after brick, after brick, after brick. So all the Jewish men were forced into slave labor with Egyptian guards with big old whips, and they had to make bricks out of clay, one brick. Brick out of clay, two bricks. They had to do that for 8, 12, 
long hour days, brick after brick after brick after brick after brick. Because he's thinking, hey, you know what? After 12 hours of brick making, when they go home, are they going to want to take care of their cattle? No, their cattle will start today. Are they going to want to take care of their children? No, they're going to be too exhausted. And you know what? The people are going to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. Let's oppress them. And they found one monument in Egypt where they have this guard standing over the, uh, the Israelite or a foreign slave. And it was literally, make bricks or die. They could get killed if they weren't making bricks. And so this Egyptian king started to oppress and whip and to hurt the Jewish people. After 350 years of plenty, now they're getting picked on. But you know what happened to the Jewish people? Instead of shrinking, guess what? They grew and they grew and they grew. God blessed them more. God blessed them more. They had more kids and their cattle were the best and their sheep were the fattest and their crops were the greatest. And the king is like, what are we going to do? This is not supposed to happen. So he came up with the worst, most horrible, evil idea imaginable. He said, let's kill their children. Let's take their babies when they're born. And literally it says, hey, let's chuck them into the Nile River. I want you to kill them before you can keep the women, he said. But if it's a baby boy, chuck him in the Nile River. We have got to kill all Hebrew male babies. So I can imagine, here is Moses' parents. The dad is named Amram, and later we found out the mom is named Jochebed. And they're sitting around the table reading the Cairo Gazette. They've got a son named Aaron and a daughter named Miriam. And, you know, man, he's back, broken, work, but things are great and things are blossoming and they're sitting around their table. And then he opens and sees the front page news. Kill all Jewish baby boys. And Amram's like, whew, that's sad. But you know what? We got Aaron. We got Miriam. We're okay. We're okay. And then... Jochebed says, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, one interesting thing, if you look in chapter 1, we never know the name of the Pharaoh king for sure. His name is either Thutmose I or Amenhotep II. But it doesn't really say. But in chapter 1, it says the names of two women, two Hebrew midwives. Now, a midwife is a woman who helps other women give birth. And back in Egypt, a midwife was lower than low. If you were a woman in Egypt, you didn't have a lot of rights. But if you were a woman who couldn't give birth and who were not married, you were lower than those women who were married. You were lower than low. And quite often, the women who couldn't give birth, couldn't have kids, weren't married, they went into the midwifery profession to help other women give birth because, hey, it might make them look good. And so we have two Hebrew midwives named Shipra and Pua, and the mighty king of Egypt. 
the most powerful man of his day comes to Shipra and Pua and says, when the women give birth, if it's a boy, I want you to kill it. If it's a girl, I want you to let it live. Now, there's lots of Hebrew women. So it wasn't just two Hebrew midwives. It seems like these were the heads over a whole legion of national health care Hebrew midwives, right? And they took care of all these women, but they were the head honchos. So what would you do? You're faced with the king of Egypt who says, you have got to kill male babies. But on the other hand, you've been worshiping a God named Yahweh who says, you know, you should not murder. You cannot take life. All life is good. What would you do? And notice, it doesn't say the name of Pharaoh, but it says the name of the two of the lowliest women in that society. Why? Because they were important to God. Why? Because it says they feared the Lord. They feared God. Instead of getting afraid of the mighty Pharaoh who could have wiped them out, they said, you know what, with that choice, do right or do wrong, I'm going to fear God and I'm going to do right. And they did not kill the Hebrew babies. They defied the king in the first act of history of civil disobedience. They were like, we are not going to kill these baby boys because they feared the Lord. Now, I want to encourage you, kids. Some days, you know, you're going to have friends who say, hey, do this. And you know it's not right. Whatever it happens to be. Do you listen to your friends and the peer pressure and say, they're going to make fun of me? If I don't pick on that girl like all the other girls are making fun of her, I'm going to get exiled and I'm going to get picked on. Man, I should just join in and or I should do that. And whatever it happens to be, you're going to have a choice someday, even at your lives. Do I do right or do I do wrong? And it comes down to this. Are you going to fear God rather than your circumstances? Are you going to fear the Lord and do what you know is right and say, I'm going to honor God no matter what, even if my friends pick on me, even if I become a social pariah on the playground, no matter what, I'm going to do right. I'm going to fear God rather than men like Shipra and who was the second one? Pua. We remember those names from ancient history. Forget the Pharaoh, God says. He wrote this book, right? He doesn't care about the Pharaoh's name. He wants you to remember the names of the two women who feared him. So Shipra and Pua, they probably said, hey, you know what, midwives, when you go and there you hear, hey, Rachel's about to give birth, we need some help. All right, down comes the Hebrew midwife. Slow up a little maybe, take your time. Because it didn't work. None of the male babies were killed. So the Pharaoh comes to Shipra and Pua and says, hey, how come none of these babies are killed? And they're like, well, when we get to them, the Hebrew women give birth so fast. When we get there, they've already whisked the baby away. So we don't even know what it is. Now, did they tell a lie? I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe Hebrew women just whoop, they get those babies out and you don't have time to hang around. And maybe they just don't get there fast enough. Or maybe they did. I don't know. But the key is, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, fear God. Because you will be blessed. Because you know what happened to Shipra and Pua? 
They were childless. They had no family of their own. But God saw what they did, and you know what he said? He said, I'm going to bless you. And he gave them a husband and a family and children of their own. He blessed them beyond bless. And that's the other thing. If you fear the Lord and do right, God's going to bless you. It may not be in this life. I've done some things that are right, and I end up getting some pain for it, and it doesn't actually work in this life. But I know in the future to come, I've got promises and blessings untold if I just fear the Lord now. Encourage you kids, fear the Lord now. So Shipra and Pua, you know, none of the babies were being killed or murdered. So the Pharaoh gets so upset, he finally says, all male babies, I don't care. We got to kill them, get rid of them. So into that dark, dark time, Jochebed tells Amram, I'm pregnant. And you come to chapter 2, and what would you think? You'd be like, oh, I hope it's a girl, hope it's a girl, hope it's a girl, hope it's a girl. You know, hope it's a girl. Nine months of waiting, nine months of waiting, and they give birth to a beautiful, the Bible says, not just a boy, a beautiful boy. And it's not so much his beauty, there's something special. They they notice there's something special. And later on, in Hebrews chapter 11, which is in the New Testament, the writer there just praises the father and the mother of Moses because they didn't let this beautiful baby boy die. And they could have listened to the king too, but they feared who? They feared God. And they said, I am not going to let this baby die. And when Moses was born... And I also think Jochebed's his mother. How can a mother kill her own child? So the baby's born. What would you do, you know? Well, the cool thing is for the first three months, babies are pretty much like loaves of bread, all right? They don't do a lot. They just sort of sit there. And they either cry or drink or eat or poop, and that's pretty much it, right? So they sleep and they cry, and they sleep and they cry. So can you imagine being in the household of Amram and Jochebed? You've got Aaron and Miriam, and they're pretty young at this time, and you're sitting around, and then all of a sudden at 3 in the morning, wah, wah, what would you do? Oh, no, my neighbors are going to hear that, wah. And I don't know what they would do. Maybe Amram's like, ah, 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 rah, And, you know, they start, hey, let's sing. Let's come on. Let's get a song fest going. And, and maybe, you know, Jochebed comes in, grabs the baby, and nurses it to quiet it. And, you know, the neighbors are like, why in the world are they having a party at 3 in the morning, you know? Why are they singing at four in the morning? You know, it's, you know, that rah, rah. Why are they doing that, you know? And, and then maybe they're like, hey, at two in the afternoon, the Moses starts crying, and they're like, hey, Miriam, Aaron, bang some pots, you know? And again, the neighbors are like, they are having too much of a party. What is up with this? And I wonder if the neighbors got suspicious. Where would you hide a baby? You know, I'd put it in the cupboard above the stove, I've decided. Or I'd put it under the sink, somewhere where you wouldn't imagine a baby would be. I don't know, where would you hide a baby? Because it says in chapter 2, 
after three months of this. They just couldn't do it anymore. Because now the baby starts to sit up, roll around, and squeal with delight. But it says in Hebrews chapter 11, again, because they feared God rather than man, they hid the baby for three months. What would you do? What would you do with the baby starting to get loud? And you know, maybe they had baby inspectors back then who would go around from house to house searching for young male children. And they got to keep hiding him. So what would you do? And I bet they prayed to Yahweh. And they searched and they wondered. So then Jochebed has an idea. It's a crazy idea. Let's go down to the Nile. She pulls out these bulrushes. Now, a bulrush is about 10 to 15 feet high, and it's a stalk. And it's a triangular stalk about the width of a finger. And they used to peel these things and turn them into paper. But they also used to put all these things together and make boats. Well, Jochebed, Moses' mother, she took the bulrushes, she created, I'm thinking, Lord, what can I do? Well, this is my best idea. And they put together a little boat. Or literally, it was like a little box or a little coffin. That's the Hebrew word there, the idea of just this little square thing. And then they covered the outside of it with this nasty stuff called pitch. It's black and smells. It's nasty tar, and it's on the outside, so no water can seep in. And maybe she put in little you know, a nice little toy and some nice little fluffy cloth. And she takes Moses, puts him in, puts on the lid just to test it. I don't know, because there's a lid to it. Takes off the lid. Nope, he's still not crying. Puts on the lid. Okay, this might work. She picks it up. Now, I think she's got a plan. Because she knows the Nile River is considered holy to the Egyptian people. And this was one of their gods because it provided them, they had the sun god, and then they had a god of the Nile. And she knew every day that one of the Egyptian princesses would come and bathe in the Nile River. Now, if you're an Egyptian princess... You've got indoor plumbing. You've got baths of milk and all this other fancy stuff. Why would you go bathe in the nasty Nile River? Well, if you think it's a god, the reason you do it is because I want some of that mystical, maybe God might empower me, maybe I might get something. And so ever so often they would come down, famous rich people in Egypt would come down and bathe in the Nile River and so she put it right by the shore in the bulrushes. She probably tied a little rope around it so it wouldn't like float off and go 10 miles down and get eaten by crocodiles, you know? So, and then she told Miriam, her daughter, I want you to stay nearby and whatever happens, happens. So they put the baby in the water and in comes the Egyptian princess. Her name probably was Maris, Princess Maris. She's in there washing her hair and doing whatever, and then she looks over and she goes, what is that? 
a little black thing floating in the water. What is that? She sends one of her nurses over there, and they pull it out, and they bring it over to her, and they take off the lid, and it says, Moses cried. And her heart just went out. Now, when I hear a crying baby, I run away. I'm the opposite, all right? I flew on an airplane yesterday, and there was a crying baby, and it was, oh. But there's something in the heart of a woman and some men as well that they're, when a baby cries, oh, it's a beautiful little baby, you know? Who loves babies? You know what I'm saying? They're cute, and they smell nice, and, 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 her, I, and her heart goes out to the baby, and, and her heart? Just love this baby. And again, Moses was a beautiful baby boy, and so she picked up the baby, and then she notices over in the bulrushes watching this girl. And her name was, does anybody remember? Miriam. And she's like, hey, little girl, go find somebody that can nurse this baby and take care of it till it's old enough to come into my house. And Miriam's like, Okay, I'll go do that. And guess who she goes and finds? Her mother, Jochebed. And, whoa, hey, where'd you find this lady? I don't know, just happened to be around. And she's like, hey, why don't you take care of this baby for me? And not only that, I'll pay you to do it. So Jochebed trusts in God fears God more than the circumstances around her, does what is right, and you know what? God gives her back her child. And not only that, she gets paid to take care of her own child. Isn't that amazing how God takes care of his people? And I just want to encourage you, if you're one of his, I don't know what struggle you're facing, where you're choosing between right and wrong. I just want to encourage you. God says, if you fear me. Now, it's not this fear like, you know, oh, I'm afraid of getting hit. Oh, I'm afraid God's going to kill me. It's not that sort of fear. It's this fear of like, if LeBron James walked in right now, and you'd be like, I'd really like his autograph, but oh, I'm afraid to go over there. But wow, he's cool. But oh, I'm afraid. But wow. Or Tim Tebow walks in right now, and you're like, Oh, I'd love his autograph. I want to say hi, but oh, he's cool. But oh, I'm a little, but oh, he's cool. That, that's the idea is this fear of God or the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, whoever, you know. But God says, fear me. It's this awe. It's this reverence. It's not a trembling fear. They trust the promises of God more than their circumstances. And I want to encourage you, kids, God will bless you if you choose to do right, like Shipra and who? Like Jochebed and Amram, if you choose to do right, God will bless you. So she raises the child to about three or four years old and probably tells Moses about Yahweh and all the promises of God teaches him Hebrew scripture, shoves into his life as much as she can, and then about three or four, maybe five, she brings him to the court of Pharaoh. And Maris, the princess, says, you know what I'm going to name you? I'm going to name you Moses. 
Mo is Egyptian for water, and uses is drawn out. So the idea is drawn out of the water. And Moses was now in the court of the Pharaoh. Now, is he an Egyptian? He's a Jew in the middle of all these Egyptians who hate the Jewish people. What's going to happen? Well, we're going to find out tomorrow what's going to happen to Moses. But I want to encourage you kids. Fear God. Don't fear people. Because if you fear the Lord, he promises you blessing upon blessing if you choose him. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.